This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. Patriots may have an advantage in the in, 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 injury department, he tried to say. That's a term that I don't think I've heard since college. Porked. Christian Gonzalez's outlook on the rest of the season was probably gone. That's what I said. Uh, well, porked. Pains me to say that Mike McCarthy pantsed him. Outcoached him. Yeah, like. Pantsed him. I absolutely. Dropped did. trial. What you need to do then is take that 18 wheel of yours and just back up over those bastards. Beep, beep. Here I come. Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. Anybody else feeling pork today? <laughs> Seems to be the word of the day. Where's Eric Scalavino when we need him? Today's word of the day is porked. Well, I did say, John, that if they couldn't block anybody, then they were going to be porked. Porked. And I was right. Yeah, you were right. Children of all ages. Yeah, right? Exactly. We need to. They are porked. Oh, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the playbook. Uh, we, we appreciate your, your time. Uh, we, we appreciate your, your uh, listening. We appreciate your interest. Um, I, I kind of begin today... Um, uh, I, I had to give this a little bit of thought. I usually just kind of just open up the microphone and we start talking. We talk football. And we talk about the opponent that's, you know, coming up next. We talk about what the, you know, foreseeable future looks like. You know, the schedule. You know, man, if they get on a run, you know, two or three weeks and maybe they get the, yeah. I, I, I did not give that one bit of thought for this week. Now, I did pay attention to the Raiders. I watched the Raiders game the other night. Yep. Uh, Jason Horowitz, who's the – play-by-play voice for the Las Vegas Raiders. He's going to join us here on the on the program in just a little bit because we are going to talk some football. We have to. That's what this show does. That's what the playbook is supposed to do. We talk X's, O's. We talk, you know, strategy. We talk all that stuff here. But I, I got to admit, I, I felt like it was necessary to put just a at least a twinge of perspective on, on what we've had to go through here the, the first five weeks because what we've witnessed here, uh, and, and I'm going to repeat it, even though I know you guys have talked about it, not on, only on PU, but I'm sure even on Catch-22, and, and uh, fans are talking about it all over the country because we can see that by the, the trending on X and all that stuff that's going on right now. Um, I saw earlier today, and I don't even remember which power poll it was because I don't really believe in the NFL power polls. I think those are a joke. you got 32 teams. You know, they're all pro football teams. So, you know, you want to talk real power, then let's relegate somebody to the SEC or something after that. I'm, it's, pro football is a different beast. It's a small, confined world. But I saw something today that I thought I would never see again. New England was ranked 32nd out of 32. Yeah, it was Mike Florio, I think, right? So. Well, Florio was one. This was another one. Oh, God. And I think everybody's just piling on the Patriots. And this is, you know, you remember how it, when you were a kid and, you know, you were playing football in the backyard and somebody recovers a loose ball and everybody says, dog pile on Johnny! Okay, well, <laughs> guess what? We're dog piling on the Patriots! Right? Yeah. That's exactly what's going on now. And so everybody's flying in from everywhere, you know? I'm the poor sap that fell on the football, and then all the neighbor kids are all just flying at me to take it off, and I'm buried under the sea of, you know, humanity, you know, you know a bunch of 13-year-olds. On t- oh, man, I'll never forget it, you know, especially when I'm laying on top of the sprinkler. Oh, my God, that was painful. 
at any rate. This is yeah, why we, yeah, right. This is why we waited until it snowed to to you do You guys this. did. <laughs> See, we but this was year-round stuff for us growing up in Texas. Yeah. You know where you know famously there's only two sports: football and spring football. Yeah. Um. You know <laughs> we're playing football year-round. Uh, yeah. Year-round, yeah. and even in the winter time, it's kind of hey, you want to throw the ball around? You know, or we're working on plays for you know the neighborhood games. We used to have neighborhood games in Texas. That's cool. You know, which is yeah, it was kind of fun. My mom, believe it or not, when I was small, she was the all-time quarterback. I like that. Yeah, right. She got a good arm. She did. Yeah, I bet. Surprisingly, <laughs> she was really good at winging it out to the, you know, to the, uh, to, to the running back, you know, on the on the wheel route. Nice sideline throws. Yeah, yeah, she could do that. Absolutely. <laughs> like how we would digressed already. Already, it's because I don't want to talk about this, but I have to. It's really, it's it's the job here. Um, at any rate, getting back to the power pole, seeing the Patriots down at the bottom, something that I thought that I would never see again. You know, I've covered this team for, you know, I've been privileged to cover this team for a long time. I've been privileged to work for this organization for half of its existence. This is year 64 for the New England Patriots, starting in 1960, right? So this is season 64 for the Patriots. I've been here for exactly half of them, 32. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I'm also old, but it, you know, I, it, it it's cool, and I and I feel like I'm qualified, at least to a certain extent, to offer some perspective. First and foremost, we are so incredibly lucky to have been where we have been, and we are so incredibly spoiled to have gone through what we've gone through in the last twenty years. In fact, we may be the most spoiled fandom that exists in professional sports short of the Yankees and Yankee fans, really, at least in this country, largely because of the success that this franchise has spun upon itself. And Mr. Kraft is right at the helm of all of that. You know, he's told many, many stories throughout his his time, you know, as ownership now um, about how, you know, he came from being a season ticket holder and he sat in those frozen aluminum stands in old, you know, Schaefer Stadium. And, uh, you know, he went through 1-15. in 15. Hell, I know all about 1-15. in 15. I've told you and I've told many of our listeners before, nobody wanted to do Rod Russ Coach's show the year that he was head coach here. So I did it. And I was working in Providence at the time. And the team went 1-15. in 15. <laughs> Now, you tell me how we generated, you know, interest week to week. And the answer to that was is we did the best job we could. We put blinders on, and you just go after it, and you do it. And, and I have to admit, after Sunday's game this week, it's the first time I ever thought about pulling out those blinders again. Yeah. I was flabbergasted. Is that a good word? Flummoxed? Flabbergasted? You know? It, I'm running out of adjectives at this point to describe I, I, it. I, I'm, you know, uh, Miss Robin and I were talking about it on the drive home out of the parking lot. You know, and it was it, we we were just like never thought we'd see this, yeah. And so then, after you come to the slow realization that uh, you know party time is over, fellas, uh, how do you fix this? How do you correct it? And there's so many different ways and approaches, and so many different reasons. I think they're all feeding in to what is basically pile on the Patriots right now. Dog pile on the Patriots, and the entire NFL is doing it. I'm looking at NFL memes out the wazoo over. Never thought I'd see the Patriots last to the NFL again. Woohoo! You know, everybody's I mean, having a blast with this. Rightfully so. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. where that's where we're at. I think uh, you know, I'm really careful not only just because of like who my bosses are well, here. W- see, that's but I, I'm 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 really careful about ne- trying not to be too knee jerk 
about reactions, yeah. right? Like That's important. After I, I will fully admit that I was walking to my car on Sunday night after publishing uh, game observations and watching that debacle against the Saints, fire everybody. Fire everybody. Yeah, you were just right? had, you had a tendency right? to be just a smidge negative, right? You know? Like, let's like I was like I want to wake up Monday morning and I want to see the press release that that everybody's fired. gone, right? Everybody's gone. And, and at the same time, we're gonna I, hire Jermaine Wiggins and the entire Brockton High School staff to take over. So I've I've looked at it. I've tried to look at it, you know, rationally since yeah. then because yeah. that obviously wasn't very rational. I tried to look at it rationally since then, and I think that what I, the conclusion that I've come to is that it's a mischaracterization of the situation to say that this is a two-week collapse. Yeah, it's and more that's, than that. It's, and, it's way more than that. And that's why you're starting to talk about, on all of our shows even, the job status of the head coach of the team. Right. Is because this really began in 2020, and it's been a slow burn towards being ranked 32nd in the power ranking in week five of an NFL season, but it wasn't overnight that this team no got to this point. That that, that is correct, and so now you know, and so you you should we shouldn't really be surprised, even though we are, but we shouldn't be surprised that you know. Uh, hashtag fire bill has been trending. Yeah, so the the biggest thing is, and we were talking about this a little bit on PU at the end, it's two different conversations to me of are they losing because they're just that bad in terms of the personnel on the team or are they not very good in terms of the talent on the team and now they're losing like this because they've let go of the rope? And if they've let go of the There's rope, a little bit of both there. Ev. If they've let go of the rope, then that's more than anything. I think it it's going to be one in fifteen. Like they're not going to be any better well, than it, this. It could be. I mean, we, I think we'll 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 get a step closer to knowing that this week because yeah. you've already pointed out as you know I'm doing you know some of my due diligence on the Raiders. This is actually a really good matchup for a, for a, just a crappy Patriots offense right now. Yeah, I mean it's not a very good outside of Max Crosby. I keep saying the same thing. They got I, one guy. Yeah, Bill Belichick's expertise has been let's take let's take their best player out of it and move around on the offensive side. Certainly, defensively, the same case goes. Yeah. I mean, I thought they actually did a pretty good job of, of uh, or at least we've seen teams do a pretty good job of you know going to guys like Micah Parsons and whatever in the past and somewhat neutralizing him. Uh, and other guys have made plays and beaten them, and I think that can be done here against the Raiders. However, we just don't know what kind of. We don't know if the guys have left have, have let go of the rope, as you put it. Right. We, right, we right, don't right. know yet, and we're gonna we're gonna learn that more and more. If they let go of the rope, yep. And this is all over. Yep. Who needs to be held responsible for it? And and to me, we're going right back to hashtag fire Bill. Yeah. And and I can't. I to me that's heresy. Okay. I'm always of the opinion that Bill Belichick has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. Yeah. All right? And I think that's why he'll still, in my estimation, go down as the greatest who have ever coached this game. He's got the championships to back it up. Now, there are a lot of people who believe this, and this is a pet peeve of mine as well. There are a lot of people who believe that, you know, Tom Brady made Bill Belichick, not the other way around. Yeah. I don't subscribe to that. I'm glad to go on record to say that because it just ignores history. It, of course, it does. Yeah, 
Every great coach in history, thank you for saying that, because every great coach in NFL history has had a what, Evan? Well, they've had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Or thank you. But I'd also just say it just ignores the history of how Brady got his start in the league. Like well, yeah. In 2001, the Patriots won the Super Bowl, and it wasn't because of – Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. It was because Brady happened to be – he caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah. He was in the right place at the right time when Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Yeah. And then Bill Belichick saw something in Tom. Yeah. When, when Drew was ready to come back, he saw something in Tom, in, especially in the way that the locker room reacted around Brady. He saw something in that and said, you know what, I think I'm going to let this ride. Somebody had to make that decision. So to say that Brady made Belichick his – Factually incorrect. Yeah. It is incorrect. Now, did Tom lead him to great successes as a coach? There's no doubt about it. If you wanted to, like, start, and, you know, I don't know if this is necessarily the most important thing right now, but, like, if you wanted to start and say, like, Tom Brady's career began in, like, 2007, then you could sit there and say that it was all Brady, right? Like, from 2007 on. on? Yeah. You you could make make the case. but I would make the case that Brady was pulling the rope harder than anybody else. Okay, but that's not what happened. Right. That's my point. There was 2001, 2003, 2004. And and even all the success in in between not making and winning the Super Bowl, you know, AFC Championship games, you know, other things. For sure. You know, it just – I just think what it comes back down to with Belichick is that – if if you've lost the the buy-in of the locker room, I think that that's always the final nail in any coach's I agree job, and that's why we're ha- I'm having such a hard time, you know, trying to put perspective behind this. I feel like that's yeah. my job. That's what this show's job has been for 22 seasons here on Patriots.com Radio. Patriots Playbook has been here not only to talk a little X and O, to talk about the opponent, the game coming up, to also allow fans to vent from the previous game, but also to provide perspective in a historical you know, way yeah. based on how this franchise has you know, progressed. Yeah, And we've taken a huge step backward, and the only person – within reason that you can point to is Bill. Yeah. I I, always, I made this analogy the other day, and I, like, I, I don't mean to repeat myself. I just feel like this is really what it comes down to to me. Blaming the players on the current team, like blaming Mac Jones, blaming the guys like that, is if like a Fortune 500 company is going bankrupt and they put at pointed the finger at middle management, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. and they were like, yeah, they were like, yeah. oh, well, the managers didn't. Yeah. Do, no, when a company manager goes, of our shipping department needs to be fired, yeah, you know, we're going bankrupt, but shipping department is off base. Right. You know, we're going to clean house in the shipping department. It's the same principle. Yeah. I agree with that. That's, yeah, that's wrong. When the company goes bankrupt, it's because somebody in the executive suite or somebody's is doing something wrong. Have, have made big decisions and they haven't gone the way the, they haven't yeah. been in the company's best interest. Yeah, that's the. That's the thing that I struggle with the most because Bill has always said I'm only doing what is in the be- uh, what I think is the- in the best interest of the football team. Yeah. When do we call him out on that and say you are no longer operating in the best interests of the football team? Yeah, I mean now like, I I think that when you go with the Mac Jones question, like we can sit here and and I can tell you what my take on what Mac Jones is doing wrong that has led to him playing poorly the last couple of weeks. And we can do that. But I think what the bottom line is, is that when they drafted Mac Jones in 2021 as a good 
coach, good scouting department, good organization, which I think this is. Like, obviously, I wouldn't work here if I didn't think it was. Of course. the None of us would be, by the, the way. You have to recognize what you drafted. And if you think that you drafted a quarterback that was going to elevate the system and elevate the personnel around him, then you drafted the wrong quarterback. Like, that's not what Mac Jones ever was. Mac Jones was a high-floor system QB. He is. I was just going to say, he's very much a system QB. Tom Brady was not. Yeah. And Tom proved that over time, especially from 2007 on. Right. He's going to be – he'll go down as literally the greatest of all time, and he should because he's got the championships that can also back up the numbers and yeah. the longevity and everything else that goes along with him. Tom is a, a unicorn. There yeah. may never be another one like him. As far as Mac Jones is concerned, he very much is a system quarterback. Yeah. And where, to me, the big problem has, it lies is that they haven't treated him as such. No. The system has broken down. Yes. The, the, found, the system around the system quarterback is not systematic. No, it's not systematic. Right. So They've it, got him trying to do something that he's not. Yeah. So if you're... We can look at it from a coaching angle, and obviously, you know the coaching disaster that was last season, and that led it all off. But I think most importantly, it's it's now coming down to personnel around him. Mm-hmm. And if you thought that you were going to throw out this group of receivers and this offensive line with Mac Jones as your quarterback and be a good offense, then that's a miscalculation on the roster building. Like you had, and who is in charge of roster building? You had to look at him in 2021 and say, okay, if he is playing, you know, to use to simplify it, if he's just playing a game of Madden on Xbox and all he's got to do is hit the right button when the receiver comes open, then this guy can do that. I but wish it were that easy. but if he's got to, you know, do every everything mm-hmm. perfectly and run around and make plays and use his arm and do all this different stuff. And this is going to fall apart. Yeah. So instead yeah. of recognizing that fact about the quarterback and getting him receivers and getting him protection on the offensive line and getting him a running game and getting him a third down running back and getting him a, a, a slot receiver that can get open quickly so he can get the ball out of his hands. Instead of doing all that, they've gotten the total opposite direction. And so now they, in my mind, was Mac Jones ever going to be an elite, elite MVP caliber. Like, let's take Brady out of it because nobody's Brady. But was he ever going to be Joe Burrow? Was he ever going to be Josh Allen? No, probably not. No. But could he have had some of the same success? Smart football people, by the way, knew that he was not going right. to be those people. Right. But he, he came from Alabama, and he was surrounded by tremendous talent yeah. at Alabama. And, of course, obviously the word of Nick Saban. And, sure, everybody's going to buy that. Yeah, everybody's going to buy that. Why wouldn't you? Track record speaks loudly. At the same time, I, I don't want this to be taken as like Mac apologist, Mac excuse making, or anything like that. But I still wholeheartedly believe it. The Patriots and Bill Belichick have ruined Mac Jones. They have ruined the quarterback. This is a playbook that we used to make fun of. Yeah. From other organizations. Oh, you're going to saddle him with a coach that doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, you're going to put him in an offense that has all sorts of issues with the weapons and, you know, makes it tough to play quarterback on a guy that can't be tough to play quarterback for. They have broken this guy. They've ruined him. 
They've ruined him. And at this point, based off the last couple of weeks, even based off of like, you know, I came in in, in, in week one and I was telling you all that I didn't love what I saw from Mac Jones on film, even when he was throwing for 300 yards against the Eagles, because there were little signs of footwork, mechanics in the pocket, wow. you know, distrust in the whole thing that I was seeing that I was like, if this continues in this direction, this thing's going to fall apart. And I'm not like saying that to like toot my own horn. I just, it was there for you to see. And you always hope what you see is different from what really is. Yeah. And he was already in my mind teetering as early as week one. And it has completely fallen off the rails for him. And I, I will stay true to this. The only, like the biggest person to blame in all of that is Bill Belichick, not Mac Jones. No, I agree with that. I agree with that, and of course you can take it a, a further. You know, I mean, Mac has got a case of happy feet, as you as you put it, because he has no confidence in the line in front of him. Yeah, and nor should he. They've yeah. given him no reason to be confident. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, it's otherwise, troubling. He, otherwise, he could be decapitated out there. Yeah, it's troubling when so Mac in, in his first two seasons for all of his faults in twenty one and twenty two, even with Matt Patricia last year, Mac has always been a really decent clean pocket passer. Like if you protect him and you keep him upright and you let him step into throws and let him navigate the pocket, he's been pretty good at that. This year he's been awful even when he gets kept clean, even when there is no pressure. He's overthrowing guys. He's underthrowing guys. He's throwing pick sixes. Because he's seeing ghosts. Yes. He's seeing ghosts. He's Sam Darnold. Yeah, he's seeing ghosts. So even when there isn't any pressure, he's bracing for pressure or he's sensing pressure or his feet are all over the place because he thinks that there is going to be pressure. He's got a case of the putter's yips Yeah, as the quarterback. And I don't – I got to be honest with you. I don't know if he's talented enough to pull himself out of it. I don't know either. I have to admit. We're trying to put perspective on this. This is our job here. Yeah. And this is kind of how I look at it. So let's just assume – Mac is broken, as you said. Yeah. Let's just assume. All right. You know, again, time will tell. We'll know more in another month, certainly whether or not that's the case, if he's even standing upright or if he hadn't been benched or if they haven't gone and and gotten Colt McCoy or somebody like that to come in as a short-term replacement. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Yeah. But let's just assume Mac is broken. Yep. Okay. How do you fix? And – if you if your answer to that is is you can't, who's held responsible? And how do you hold this person responsible when he holds the keys to every freaking door in the place? Yeah, so if Mac is truly broken, which I believe he is, I think there's no coming back for him. I is there a world where he comes back this week against the Raiders, for example, which is a worse defense and a worse pass rush, and it's and it looks like it did early, maybe weeks, you know, maybe in spurts. I kind of doubt it, but maybe, yeah. maybe I'll just I'll allow for a slim possibility here. Right? Is there a world where he's, I would say, what he was in the first two and a half games, not the the second half against the Jets started to, already started to come fully apart, but let's say like the first two and a half games, which was I would say functional mm-hmm. that's not saying that he was good that's not saying he was great so don't come at me with that i'm saying that he was a functioning nfl quarterback right. at that point in time right. okay is there a world where he could get back to that point this season i would i would say yes and and mostly that's because i trust billy o to to try to get him out of this but is there a world where he's going to be okay a good quarterback Th- that's no that's the next issue because 
if Bill Belichick is ultimately responsible, he should also be responsible for Bill O'Brien. And Bill O'Brien was brought here for a specific reason, and that is, yeah. of course, to put some, shall we say, professional caliber offense on the field you yeah. know, for the New England Patriots, which is led by Mac Jones. Now, Bill came in here to try to clean up a lot of stuff and integrate a, you know, a, a real pro offense, whatever it may be, and this team, I, I read this number the other day, this team is the fifth lowest scoring team through five weeks in 64 years of Patriots football. Yeah. There have only been five teams worse or four teams worse than what New England has done, which is 11 points per game right now. Yeah. Okay? So somebody has to own that. Yeah. And, and if you want to say, well, it's Bill and his decision-making and bringing in personnel, that's fine. But you brought Bill O'Brien in here to fix things, and not only has he not fixed them, they've gotten yeah, the, than yeah. what they were last year under Matty P. There's some uh, there's some critiques of O'Brien, obviously, that I that I could throw out there. I think the main one uh, to me is the running game. The running game has gone completely vanilla, and they don't really do much to get the running game going. And I think a lot of that is because the offensive linemen are having an extraordinarily difficult time understanding. Not only understanding, but performing their tasks. Yeah, so I, I think that that's part of it. Is like you can't get more complex on the ground nope. until you can until you can fix what you got. Yeah, you got to be able to fix what's in front of you, and they can't seem to do that. So they're just like running gap, like they're running duo, just like right up the and middle. Teams every... are stacking for that, yeah. and you're not getting any room. Yeah. Ramondre looks like he's running into a brick wall. Yeah, so they their running game from day one. I was I was like, ugh, like this is the the all of you know. All for all of his faults too, like Josh McDaniels is a great schemer in the run game. And then don't even think about like turning on like Miami film or San Francisco film and see all of like eleven moving parts that a Shanahan mm-hmm. tree offense does to attack in the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, this run game is like when people like joke like, oh, why do they just hand it up the middle and like three yards in a cloud? That's that's what they're doing. Like they're literally turning around. It's man on man blocking and it's just power forward and it's three yards at best. Right. And I, I, so the running game is where I would like immediately go with O'Brien. I would also mention like I was, you know, you know me, John, I'm a, I'm a big RPO guy. Yep. I love RPOs. I think they're sexy. All right. I love <laughs> RPOs and they've been a terrible, terrible RPO offense. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely terrible at it. Correct. They don't throw the ball down the field off RPOs, which was what I was hoping they were going to do. You know, slants, like things like that, where you get receivers moving down the field and then throw it off the run action. Mm -hmm. They throw a bunch of bubble screens off of them. They don't have bubble screen playmakers to run with the football after the catch. They got Juju Smith-Schuster out there catching bubble screens. That's not working. So, O'Brien has faults. Um I, I do think when you watch them on film, uh, you see a like I think a lot of people have come at me or, or brought up to me like spacing and I don't see those issues as much as other people do. Honestly, I, all I see is executing what's in front of yeah. me. That's really all yeah. I see. I, I mean, don't they don't see... they either A, don't know how, can't comprehend, or B, they're not talented enough to do it. Yeah, I don't see like in the passing game, like I, I mentioned the run game schematic sh- stuff that I hate, like that I think is crap. Okay, but I I think the passing offense is 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 well schemed and sound. I think the spacing is sound. I think how they get to things are, is is creative and and sound. Uh, but they don't win 
one-on-one. No. They can't get off nope. of man coverage. Uh, they do hit plays against zone because O'Brien will scheme them open against zone, but it's not consistent because they don't have good players. And they can't get off man. That That's the bottom line. The, a coach told me once that coaches win against zone coverage, players win against man coverage. If you're a good offensive coach and other teams are playing zone against you, you you need to be acing it. You got to figure out yeah. ways to get guys open against yeah. zone. Right. If you're getting a lot of man to man, that's that's on Devonte Parker, that's on Kendrick Bourne, that's on Hunter Henry to get open. And they're not doing it. Yeah. And they're having trouble doing it. Yeah. And it's uh it, it's a lot. It's a lot of different things that that are going wrong. Uh, you know, the offensive line we've talked about at nauseum, and I think, you know, you, uh, I give you credit because on PU, I try to bring up the offensive line and sometimes they don't want, you know, but it's the truth. time for that. Um, it's the, it's the, the blocking. The, the, the entire, terrible. the entire, uh, struggle of the offense is centered around the underperformance or non-performance on the offensive front. Yeah, I There's agree. no doubt about it. It starts with the quarterback. It starts with the running game. It even, you know, uh, assists with the receivers being able to run their routes. If they can't block, yeah. wh- wh- what have you got? Yeah, no, the offensive line has been abysmal. And, you know, you start to look at it, okay, okay let, let's, let's do it. Let's point some fingers at some people. That my finger – my two fingers, if I have right now, mm-hmm. one of them is pointed at Adrian Clem. Yep. What the hell are you doing? Yep. What are you doing? Yep. Because right yep. now, I see no improvement. Yep. I see no development of younger players. Correct. I see the same mistakes getting happening over and, you know, and over yeah. and I over see again. Poor fundamentals, poor pad level, poor hand placement, poor footwork. I see a guy like Antonio Mafi. Who I think has talent. I think he has ability. I think he has a chance in this league to He's be lost right now. To be a good player. He's lost. He completely does not know how to pick up a stunt. He's overwhelmed. He doesn't know how to pick up a stunt. He's a thinking si- way too much. He's not playing a ball. simple T and E. Like and you know how we fixed guys who got confused too much? We said, We're gonna just run behind you, big fella. Yeah. Knock the guy in front of you, knock the snot out of him. Yeah. And and that's how we fix the problem. Yeah. I, I like Antonio Mafi's talent. I like his ability. I think he's got potential in this league, like I said, to be a starting guard in the NFL. He has not improved. He has not shown any signs of, of improvement. Cole Strange has regressed. Cole Strange is is like just I can't even get started on that right now. Cole Strange. Mike Unwenu is is a disappointment. A lot of that is injury-related. Yeah. But he's not performing either when he's out there. Yeah. These guys are not getting any better. I don't think the fundamental coaching I don't think is very good. Like I was mentioning pad level, hand placement, things like that. So I'm pointing a big finger at Adrian Clem to, at this point. Right tackle? At this point, I look Whoa. at Adrian Clem, and I, I think that they'll excuse it because of injuries and things like that. If there's somebody that can come in to help him, they need to find him. I it, whether it's, you know, could this team benefit from having Dante come back for I don't know uh, a month just to sort of consult? Possibly, I I, I think that you know I don't want to like, I think that Dante is more involved still than than people necessarily oh, yeah, realize. I, yeah, I agree. I, with I you know, he he knows a lot more about this roster and about this team and about the individual players uh, for me to believe that he has no involvement whatsoever. Yeah. 
Well, this is not a problem we're going to fix, you know, immediately. Uh, nope. It's not a good problem. Good luck to them. Not a problem we're going to fix maybe even long term. Uh, it is going to be a, a good luck situation. We'll see how it continues to play out. As I'm looking right now on, on X, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is trending. It's not fire Bill anymore. It's just Bill Belichick. But yeah. nevertheless, uh, I, I think that will continue to be a subject. And in another two or three weeks, if this team continues to lose, all bets are off the table. And yeah. something that we thought would never, ever happen – I don't know how Mr. Kraft would have another choice. Yeah, I mean, in-season firings on the offensive staff and obviously with the head coach are on the table. The last one I, I just didn't get a chance to give my rant on, uh, Troy Brown. Yeah, that's another one besides Adrian Clem. Because Adrian Wh- Clem, at least, at least you can look at Adrian Clem and say you just got here, you're handed kind of a pile of garbage, mm-hmm. frankly, and, mm-hmm. and you're trying to make – you know, water out of wine or wine out of water or whatever. Chicken salad, a chicken. Yeah. That's a better one. Troy. This is multiple years now with Troy Brown that receivers are not running the right routes. Aren't getting open. Aren't developing. We're too jaded with Troy Brown because of his, you know, time as a player here. We got to start looking at the receivers and the coach that's coaching the receivers because the lack of development, the, the lack of sync, the lack of timing with the routes, the lack of spacing, the lack of detail. Right. All this no stuff question. is his job. Yeah, that is absolutely his job. Ev, thanks. We got we can do a, a, a ton more, which we will, but appreciate it today. Thank you. Um, Patriots fans, if you want to see Toyota's best offers, including those not seen on TV, go to buyatoyota.com. It's Toyota's official website for deals from the official vehicle of the New England Patriots, Toyota. Let's go places. Evan Lazar, at EZ Lazar on X. Um, Evan, of course, uh, is the primary writer on Patriots.com and obviously hosts the Catch-22 podcast here on Patriots.com radio. Uh, also coming up here in just a, a, a couple of seconds, Jason Horowitz, who's the play-by-play voice of uh, the uh, Vegas Raiders, will join us. Andy Hart from WEEI and WEEI.com and former member of Patriots Unfiltered will join us. Russell Baxter, uh, the pro football guru himself, will go around NFL week six here in just a few minutes uh so i did mention of course that we do need to figure out a way to talk a little bit of football rather than what if today jason horowitz again the radio voice of the vegas raiders kind enough to join us uh and jason john rook here in foxborough thanks a lot for taking the time today you think i you think i talk football (laughs) (laughs) i want to go back i want to go back to having the conversation about what's trending for you because for me it's dave franklin (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then and then world events. So 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 I, I think we have different. Uh, not that that should be surprising. Um, and then the other thing is, are, just listening to you guys, are we positive with the receivers that it's just not that they're not good? No. Is it? Is it <laughs> There's always that. that. Well, we know that. We, we have a sneaky feeling here that they're just not very good. Um, I, you know, kind of knew that when they drafted Tyquan Thornton a couple of years ago. And, and you know, for all of the speed that the young man has, he, he reminds me of a phrase that my basketball coach once told me years ago. Young man, when you turn sideways, you disappear. <laughs> he's just he's just too thin and too fragile to play the game. And if you can't get open and you're thin and you're fragile, do you really have a a, a future in this business? I say no, sir. You don't. Yeah. And I think yeah. I, I think it starts with that. And then you know Devonte Parker, it doesn't have what he once had. Uh, you know, he's been relegated to just a, a jump ball type of receiver, uh, and, and they can't even get a jump ball to him anymore. Uh, the only thing that really seems to be working in New England's uh, you know, pass arsenal right now is uh, scheming the tight ends open. 
you know, because yeah. both Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki could catch the ball. Pharaoh Brown, hell, he scored the last Patriots touchdown two weeks ago. That's right. So, That's right. so, so I mean. It was 50-some yards out, whatever it was. Yes, exactly. It's kind of like, who the hell is that that's running down the field? I've never seen him before in my life, and he just scored a <laughs> touchdown. You know, so, um, I, listen, there are a lot of problems here. Uh, they're certainly not the Raiders' issue because the Raiders, I know, as well as you know, have their own issues. And, and the first one i got to throw out to you here, Jason, is uh, how safe is uh, Josh McDaniels right about now? Because obviously he's near and sort of dear, I think, to people around here because of the time and the effort and the good teams that he helped coach here in New England sure. in the past. But they're so heavy, a New England and Las Vegas connection here because of the coaches, the scouts, the players even on your roster. So how is that being you know received right well, about now through a 2-3 and three start? Well, I'd say, you know, anyone who watched the videos that were going viral uh, against the Chargers, um, you know, saw how fans feel about it with regards to, you know, Mark Davis, the owner, and Mm -hmm. Josh McDaniels, and Mark Davis' response to that. And certainly there were comments before the um, start of the season that they said, hey, they're not going to measure this year by wins and losses, which is hard for a fan base to hear. Yeah. Uh, after a 6-11 and 11 season where, you know, 13 games were one-score games and 15 games were decided in the final two or three minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so 6-11 and 11 was very close to being 10-7 and seven or 11-6. and six. And so that's very hard for a fan base to hear. And, uh, and you turn things over to Jimmy Garoppolo, who in his career is, you know, I know he hasn't necessarily had the same level of national uh, approval or all those things, but one of the things he has done very well is take care of the football. Uh, and that has not been the case in the four games that he's played this year. So, so you've got all those things going on right now. And, and you know, with regards to Josh McDaniels, he's always been thought of of, of a guy that has so much ability to coach offense and get the most out of an offense. But the Raiders at this moment are the only team in the NFL that has yet to score twenty points. Yeah. So, I, now I would say on the positive of that. Since 2010, the other four teams who haven't scored 20 points through the first five games of the year, they were all 0 and 5. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that the Raiders are 2 and 3 really speaks to the fact of how much Max Crosby has deserves the attention of maybe being the def- best defensive player in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also um, the fact that this group that has been talked about as Max Crosby and a bunch of other guys might just be better than that. Well, I, I get you know I watched the uh, the Green Bay game the other night, like I'm sure a, a lot of people did, and I know obviously you were yeah I know you watched it too. You were right there front and center, and, and so I, I actually thought this doesn't look like a bad football team to me. That was the first yeah. the overall impression the overall impression I got, and it, it looks to me like Josh, and maybe I'm just oversimplifying it, but I'd like for you to provide a little perspective here. It looks like Josh is simply trying. He's planted seeds, and he's waiting for the product to grow. I, I guess the question and the analogy that I'll utilize here is, um, how's the fertilizer he's using? Yeah, I think the fertilizer is better than it looked. It's, it, it's better than it smells. The waft that's coming off from the is not quite as, as good as it should be. Because, okay. you know, I think when you put an offense out there, and I know Devontae Adams has got a shoulder injury that happened against chargers and but he's fought through it and he's going to keep playing mm-hmm. um when you put an offense out there that's got Devonte adams josh jacobs jacoby myers who has looked great i'm sure all patriots fans oh. would love to have him back oh my he god unbelievable um, <laughs> week one. hey would you would you take him back for a sack of potatoes and a in a, in a, in a wad of bubble gum 
I mean, because that's about all we got. Number one, and number two, well, he, he yeah. there are paper, there are Patriots fans here, and I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, because that's the other major mistake that seems to be trending on local, you know, X around here as well. Almost said Twitter. I'm trying to, you know, be a good Elon Musk, you know, supporter here, uh, even though well, I probably are you shouldn't sure be. You want to be that? No, I not really. Want to be that. No, I'm not really. No, I don't really want to be that. But I, you know, I'm just trying to play along here. I'm just trying to get along with everybody, right? Um, that's the other misstep that the Patriots have taken. They were like, we should never have gotten rid of Jacoby Myers because he was Mac Jones's binky. And oh, I and love and that you said binky. well, that's what <laughs> that's what he was, right? We we call them stuffies and and, and, and loveys in our house. Stuffies <laughs> and loveys. All right, it's the thing that makes you feel good. It's, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's what you need. We have three little kids. It's what you need when you uh, when you need when you need something to hold. Yes, 100%. sir. Yes, sir. Need yes. my binky. And, and, he, and, and you know, <laughs> Jacoby's been such a good teammate already, and and the guys love him, and you know, you get all that stuff. And I I can't speak to what he was in New England, and. and you know, from my only experience with him, we all remember what happened at the end of the game in December last year at Lee Stadium. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> he was the know, one that instigated yeah. it all, right? Yeah, so. That's sure. right. Yeah. He's the one that threw it to Chandler Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but uh, you know, uh, back to your point about how, how is the talent, Josh Jacobs last year, uh, and, and frankly, like, he doesn't go down with the first person. The difference was last year for some reason. You know, he was getting a yard and a half, two yards before he was touched. This year, I, I haven't looked at it after week five, but after week four, you know, he was being hit .1 yards after the line of scrimmage. You know, like the, the, the offensive line is not blocking well enough to get the push. And and it's not just on them. You know, Lincoln Kennedy, my analyst, um, is obviously a former Pro Bowl right tackle, so he's mm-hmm. focused on this. But, like, you know, he has consistently pointed out the tight ends and the wide receivers' inability to dig out the safety to, to get that block. You know, he pointed to Jacoby Myers the other night, who Jimmy Garoppolo sent him in motion. They ran a play to the left, uh, and and instead of Jacoby stopping at the line to block the safety, and I'm blanking on who it was because Darnell Savage had gotten hurt, but he kept going in motion beyond, and there was no one to block the safety. Yeah, and 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 I think that something within that is what's missing because if they give Josh any space and even if they don't give him a ton but any he's gonna get five six yards of carry and then he's gonna break one for 40 right Um, i I think you just hit on i think you just hit on jason the absolute reason why the patriots decided to offer juju smith schuster over jacoby myers because one of the problems that one of the yes one of the problems jamo jacoby had was blocking and and recognizing who to block, and they didn't know if it was his recognition or if he was just shying away from it or whatever he was doing, but they just decided, look, let's just take the guy who we think has more talent overall, and that may very well be the case, but the problem is the talent that they brought in is broken. Yeah. He's broken. Juju doesn't have it anymore. He, he's got zero left. And that's why the Patriots, the Patriots and Bill Belichick, part of the reason why they're being exoriated by the public right now because of the decision they made when it came to Smith-Schuster versus Jacoby Myers. Yeah. Well, and look, uh, you know, the, the offensive line, you guys have had a ton of injuries here early in the season. Um, you know, losing Matt Judon and, and what he brings to the table and Christian Gonzalez, who looked like he was going to be a you know a really good rookie season. Yeah. Like those two – yeah, those two hurt too. Yeah, they hurt a lot. Um, You're right. Yeah, and you know both 
of all the Joneses you have in the in the defensive backfield, um, two are out, right? Mm-hmm. So, Correct. Uh, <laughs> Only half so the Jones boys are available. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you got all that going on too. There's a lot going on, and 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 so for the Patriots, I think to put up you know an honest effort uh, against the Raiders, uh, you know this Sunday uh, will require. Not only the Patriots probably, you know, not shooting themselves in the foot, which they have done quite well uh, over the first five weeks of the season, uh, but also the the Raiders to come back to the pack a little bit because I'm I'm looking at your roster up and down, and not only am I am I seeing, especially on your depth chart here, not only am I seeing names that I certainly know and recognize, but I'm thinking, hey, that guy's pretty good. Hey, that guy's pretty good. Hey, that guy's pretty yeah. good. So why is this team two and three as opposed to not being a little bit better? Oh, that's simple. Uh, two and three is, is, is because of turnovers and because of inopportune penalties. Okay. Um, Sounds just know, like the Patriots. Yeah, and, 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 and but the difference is, is with the exception of Buffalo, um, you know, we have the, the, the Raiders very rarely in the last two years in my time with the organization have blown out. And you could point to that, you know, in any close game, hey, if we did this differently, if we do that differently. You know, the Chargers game is a good example. Um if you hold Justin Herbert to 160 yards passing and 40 of those came on the last throw, that was a third and eight that they converted to end the game. Yeah. Um, you're thinking you're going to win that football game. Yes. Yeah, but, absolutely. But opening drive, Max Crosby gets a sack fumble. It would have forced the Chargers to kick a 46-yard field goal. I don't know if they make it or not. Mm-hmm. But instead, David Long lines up offsides. It gives the Chargers a first down. So instead of kicking for three, they get seven. Um, later in the game, Jerry Tillery gets, gives the Chargers an easy 15 yards on a late, late hit out of bounds. He gets ejected from the game. Um, Chargers go down and score. Uh, Trayvon Merrick drops an interception in the end zone. Now, in all fairness to Trayvon, he's playing with a club on his hand. And I don't know that he can make that without with one hand. But mm-hmm. if he does come down with that interception, which he probably should have, that's no points. Instead, the Chargers get three. So now that's seven points right there on two plays. And they lose by seven. Yeah. Not to mention the Aiden O'Connell, you know, sacked six times by one guy. Yeah, right. And so, you know, you throw penalties, you throw turnovers into the conversation, and the offensive line play hasn't been good enough. See, those three things are, without a question, the reason why the Raiders are 2-3 and three and not 3-2 and two or 4-1. and Right. I'm going to look uh, flip over to the, on the defensive side of the ball because I know that's where there's, uh, you know, some – uh, some things lacking, especially statistically, kind of like what you know has happened in New England, and, and, and mentioned to you first and foremost that one of my favorite players because of his name is in the middle of that defense in Divine Diablo. <laughs> yeah. I, first of all, I love his name. Second of all, it looks like he can play. He can, he can, and you know, Divine got hurt last year. I don't Jacksonville. I think was game six, uh, seven or eight. Um, but at the time that Divine got hurt, he was seventh or eighth in the NFL in tackles, and he might have been number one in the NFL in tackles for a game or up there. Uh, and so he was having a really good second season playing next to Denzel Perriman, got hurt, and then was out for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. He was given more responsibility in the offseason and put next to Robert Spillane, who they brought in from Pittsburgh, who, mm-hmm. you know, until the end of last year, never had been really a starter in this league. Yep. And Robert's a guy that is a thumper, a downhill player, but the difference is that Robert, the questions about him in pass coverage, well, those were fair, but he also then had two interceptions on Monday night against the Packers. Uh, one was, you know, a great play where he dropped into coverage and Jordan Love never saw him, and the other was a deflected ball from Marcus Peters that he was in the right place, right time. But you got to make those plays, and he did. No uh, Divine Diablo, uh, the week one against Denver and then week three against Pittsburgh, too, he was great 
uh, in coverage, um, particularly near the line of scrimmage, covering the backs out of the backfield. So, you know, we still struggle with tight ends. You talked about tight ends um, in the beginning about what might work with Hunter Henry and Mike Isicki, and, mm-hmm. and maybe that plays a role coming up on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, but, yes, there's no question. I, I, that goes back to our defense as a whole, and it's what we said earlier. I think the national perception of the Raiders' defense, which has not been very good for the past 15, 20 years, is that it's Max Crosby, who everybody knows at this point because he's highlighted all the time and deservedly so, and then a whole bunch of other guys. But I think the collection of those whole bunch of other guys have earned the right to win football games. They, they are not the reason the Raiders are losing this year, um, whereas the last year you would not have said that. Yeah. All right, so how much then ultimately, uh, how much more uh, rope does Josh McDaniels have to work with here before – you know, Mark Davis is forced to say, all right, um, maybe this isn't working out the way I planned. Because I know that Robert Kraft is thinking the same thing right now. The unthinkable, uh, the, the unimaginable, the, the unconscionable thought that, you know, here's a guy, for all that he's meant to the game of pro football, especially in New England, is not performing up to that level. And Mark Davis has brought in Josh McDaniels, given him a lot of money, given him what we thought would be plenty of time. And yet it's kind of sputtering to the start here. So how much more rope does he have left to work with? Uh, I think I think a good amount. I mean, I'm obviously not privy to any of that. Yeah. But 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 I think I think I think a good amount. You know, I, the 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 I, there's a couple of caveats to that. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of optimism about this year's draft class. You know, people really think Tyree Wilson is going to be really good, and you know, I don't know that it's fair to judge yet because he had the foot surgery, didn't even suit up until end of August. Um, but but his impact on the field was going to be magnified when the Chandler Jones situation happened, and it just hasn't hasn't manifested itself yet. And you know you need that out of your seventh overall pick, um, Michael Mayer, who a lot of people assumed was going to be a first round tight end, and the Raiders almost traded up. Reports are that they were going to draft him in the first round, but they ended up trading up early in the second round. There hasn't been now. There's a lot of development, and they featured him early against the Packers, but it hasn't been a ton there either. Right. Um, and Trey Tucker, who they surprised by taking in the third round when they've given him the football, has made a big time plays. He mm-hmm. got a 34 yard run at Buffalo the other day. It was an end around. He had like a 16 yard run on a first down, but they haven't been able to get him the football enough. And so you you start throwing all those things together. They had another third round pick in Byron Young, who they're trying to bring along. So you you put all that together. Um, with some struggles on the offensive line and and the the close aspect of this plus the offense that uh, you know was inconsistent last year but certainly not bottom of the pack in the NFL and you say okay well that has to change and and I think that's true um, but the good thing is you look at this team at two and three is that hey the defense is playing well enough to win if the offense shows any sign of improvement over the next four or five weeks against the Patriots, the Bears, in Detroit, Monday Night Football might be a tough one, but you know, then come home for the Giants and the Jets in back-to-back weeks before going to Miami. And like, if there's some sign of improvement from this offense, the way that the defense is playing, this is going to be a team that you're not going to be saying is is you know three and six. It's a team you're going to be saying is five and three, yeah, or ab- whatever it might be. Absolutely. And you mentioned you know the play of the defense. Uh, I, Crosby was named uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Saw that. Yeah. Right, so I mean, you know, you're stepping in the right direction. Uh, the defense basically, you know, sealed the the Packers off this week and and won that game at the end. So, I mean, looks to me I mean, like the defense has given up one touchdown in the last six quarters. There you, you go. Know? And 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 the other, 
you know, the other, if you go back to the first half against the Chargers, they gave up an opening drive touchdown because of that penalty. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other touchdown they gave up against the Chargers was because of a a sack fumble where, you know, L.A. was uh, started, I think, at the 33-yard line of the Raiders. So, generally speaking, the defense has played well the last two, three weeks. Yeah. Played very well, and that's a that's a real challenge for a Patriots offense that uh, is struggling to put any kind of uh, semblance of a professional uh, unit on the field right now. Jason Horowitz, who uh, calls the games for the Las Vegas Raiders, Raiders, joining us here inside the playbook. Jason, thank you for a little bit of time this afternoon. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, happy to hear that things are going well. You and I have kind of been ships that have passed in the night through uh, our association previously with Westwood One. Uh, and I still do a, a podcast for Westwood One every now and then when it comes to basketball season. But uh, I'm happy to hear that you're uh, you're doing extraordinarily well. And um, hang in there, brother. See if you can get, get see if you can get yourself a win. I appreciate that, and I wish you best. And 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 here's to uh, a very friendly environment when Georgetown comes to Providence. <laughs> Say hi to you and the, and the Friars. <laughs> Right? Oh, my God. I'm going to wear a helmet that day. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, again, outsider perspective, uh, Providence should 1,000% be very, 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 very excited to see Ed Cooley. Understand that it's frustrating that he left, but what that man did for the dunk or whatever it's called now Mm -hmm. uh, is is should never be forgotten. Oh, no. I know. I absolutely agree. With that one, I mean, you know, the problem is, is that you know he would have had a statue out in front of the workout facility along with uh, Dave Gavitt and, and Joe Mullaney had he not left the way he did. His statue would have been right there next to him. But that's what most people are upset yeah, about. But who wants a statue? I mean, come on. <laughs> I, listen, when you're old like me, you want a statue because that way, you know, the only thing that can bother you is the the pigeon when it craps on it. I I mean, I I feel old and I just turned forty. So <laughs> oh, dude, I got socks that are forty. Do they have a matching pair, or is it just one sock? No, no, they match. They both got holes in them, but they match. <laughs> do I still wear them? Yep, I do. Whenever I wear socks, of course, and I don't like wearing socks. You know, I try to be hip. You know, I don't like to wear socks, and I realize that's that's the thing to do nowadays. But I, you know, sometimes you know when you're slogging around on the snow here, that gets a little rough. So fair, yeah. that's a fair point. Thanks, Jason. Really appreciate the time. Good take, to visit with you. Take care, Don. Be All well. Right. You got it. You too, Jason Horowitz who calls the play-by-play local radio for the Las Vegas Raiders. I slipped a couple times and almost said Oakland. I did. I almost said Oakland. It, it, it's just habit, right? I mean, when you, go, when, yeah, when you go back to the old AFL days like I do, gee, many Christmas. We were talking about perspective earlier with, um, with Evan, and I'm just like, wow. Half, you know, I have to think about it again. I've been here for half of the Patriots' existence, and it was the Oakland Raiders, and then the Los Angeles Raiders, and then the Oakland Raiders, and then the Vegas Raiders, and I'm just like, oh. we almost had the St. Louis Raiders or the Arizona Raiders at one time, or ah, I don't. Know. Anyway, Jason, um, one of the good young announcers in the game today. That's I've you know, Jason um, has done a lot of uh, college basketball and college football in Westwood One. Uh, still does a little bit, I think, for the network, but that's where our paths have kind of crossed uh, and intersected uh, over the last decade or so. And uh, very talented young announcer, so uh, I'm glad he's landed and landed well. And, you know, hey, it's got to be exciting, right? It's Las Vegas, for goodness sakes. I know there are a ton of Patriots fans that are going out for it. At least I, 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 from what I've heard and read social media and everything this week, that there are a lot of fans that have, you know, decided, that, hey, they want to make the trip to Vegas this week for the game, make it a vacation, what have you. I know there'll be a, a huge... New England presence in Las Vegas. Of course, I don't think you could have picked a more expensive place in the NFL to go to than Vegas right now. Vegas, by the way, has the number one 
price ticket in the league. The overall number one average in terms of like a, a, a ticket or an average ticket price or a family of four and all that kind of – Vegas is at the top of the list. They're the most expensive out there. I don't know if that's by uh, – I don't know if that's because, you know, Mark Davis has dictated that or if it's just a byproduct of the demand or if it's just because Las Vegas, Nevada is just an expensive place to be. And, again, I, you know, I, I my experience with Vegas is not – Tremendous. I've been there uh, half a dozen times. Uh, I was there three, four years, four years ago. It was right before the pandemic, so it would have been in 2019. Was the last time I was in Vegas. Miss Robin and I went out and stayed in Vegas because we had never been down inside the Grand Canyon, and so you know, flown over the Grand Canyon thousands of times. Wanted to go into it, so we did, and you know, but we stayed in Vegas and then took our trek, you know, out uh, there and had a great time, but. Vegas, you got to learn that, you know, unless you, you know, never been there before, you really kind of want to stay away from the strip. I mean, unless you're a big gambler and, and you like going to the shows, which I do, I like going to some shows, I like the concerts, you know, that's fine, that's all good. And then, of course, I love the sports book like anybody else. I like going and just sitting at the, you know, you know, in, in the crowd there and watching all of the games because they got every game on imaginable. So it's, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. But at the same time, man, it's expensive. I guess I just didn't eat enough of those buffets, huh? Well, I'm playing the slots or playing blackjack or, you know, taking a world the poker table or, you know, whatever it may be, right? I, I don't know. 855-PATS-500. 855-PATS-500 is the toll-free telephone number. It's open and available to you. Andy Hart will join us here momentarily. Russell Baxter will join us at the bottom of hour number two as we go week six around the NFL. Bridgestone is the official tire of the New England Patriots and is proud to partner with Sullivan Tire, New England's headquarters for quality Bridgestone tires. Visit SullivanTire.com to find a location near you. I, I, you know, I really came into this day, gang, thinking about how to put all of this into into some kind of reasonable, expectant perspective. Everybody wants to yell and scream at Bill. Everybody wants to yell and scream, maybe even at Robert Kraft. Everybody wants to yell and scream at uh, Mac Jones. Everybody wants to yell and scream at the coaches. Everybody wants to yell and scream at the players because they're not performing or they're not, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think everybody wants to just yell and scream because the Patriots are one and four instead of, you know, I don't know. What would have been a reasonable? Two and three right now? Yeah, probably. Maybe three and two if you were really lucky. And you're one and four. And it's because we're used to something different. The current head coach, general manager, ownership, you know, uh, group has put us in this position where we are now upset, where we are now angry, where we now expect more. It's their own damn fault because this is how we compete. Everybody competes to win. Everybody competes to be better than the other guy. Everybody competes for a chance to win a Lombardi trophy, and the Patriots have won six of those. Nobody, no other franchise has won more, at least not yet. And it may be a while before we see another one around here at the present rate. So I think it's I think it's proper to keep always keep in mind where you've come from, and my career here uh, in New England has now come full circle. Holy crap! When I started, 
covering this team in 1989. No, it was actually fall of 88. Fall of 88 was the first year that I covered the New England Patriots after covering uh, the Houston Oilers and the Dallas Cowboys prior to that. Uh, You know, Patriots were middling. Uh, 1990 is when it bottomed out. You know, Rod Rust, all that stuff. And then things started to slowly turn around uh, when Bill Parcells, you know, came on board. The mindset changed. And I saw it. People acted and reacted differently. And then he decided, well, I need to have a little more control, or at least I want to have the control that I was originally promised. And I think Mr. Kraft, and this is my own personal opinion speaking here, I think he probably realized that, you know what, you know, uh, maybe he does. But Mr. Kraft also went out and got what was, you know, what he was owed. And, you know, the Jets had to give him compensation for hiring him away. So all of that took place. You go out and you get Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll wasn't a horrible coach. Certainly he's got longevity in this league. He hasn't done a bad job anywhere he's been. He didn't do a bad job here. But there was an aspiration for more. And it kind of leveled off, and it didn't look like it was getting any better. And I will tell you at the time, based upon my recollection, at the time, I'm not sure that there was locker room buy-in to what Pete Carroll was doing. And so you make the fundamental change, go on the route that you really wanted to go when you lost Bill Parcells, or shall I say he took off, and you hire Bill Belichick. And obviously that decision has proven to be brilliant in many different ways. You've got, you know, Super Bowl appearances. You've got six Lombardi trophies. Uh, You've put a region on the map. You've made people feel better about themselves. You've you've created Hall of Fame football careers. I I mean, it's 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 phenomenal. And will and I will be as well as I think all Patriots fans should be grateful for what we've seen. So that's why I feel a little reluctant to call somebody out on the carpet for doing a bad job. I mean, I'm one of those that feels like, hell, they need to put a statue of the guy up out front. If you want a statue to, you know, a pigeon to crap on your head, fine. That's what a statue is good for. Uh, But I also know that this is a business, and I also know you're in the business of winning. And when you stop winning, no matter what you've done before, in sports, it's always been, what have you done for me lately? Not what you did for me a year ago. Not what you did for me 10 years ago. What are you doing for me now? And many good people in sports, and I just use the blanket umbrella sports because I want to speak both professionally and even collegiately. That's been my experience as someone who has covered sports at a professional level and as, uh, a co- at a collegiate level for 45 years. And, you know, damn, I'm old. So here's the thing. There's a common thread through it all. Win. It's, <laughs> I will borrow the phrase, it's trite, it's cliche, it's ridiculous, but I will borrow the phrase from the late, great Raiders owner and coach Al Davis. Just win, baby. And all of the rest takes care of itself. And so that's where we are with these New England Patriots. And right now, it's not only can they not win, they can't even score a point. 
I mean, 69 unanswered points that this team has allowed. And, again, I realize you just lost your two best defensive players, and the offense has, well, we know what the offense has. It has fungus growing between his toes. It's got something. All right, bring in the one and only Jumbo, Andy Hart, formerly of Patriots Unfiltered, now, of course, covering the Patriots and other items for WEEI and WEEI.com. Big head, what's happening, dude? So what I took from that is you're old. <laughs> well, that's why I had to preface that by saying, yeah, I just I just called my own butt out right here on the carpet. Uh, but you know what? I, I feel like, you know, okay, maybe I am a little bit older than, 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 than some people's proper taste. But what I can provide is a little bit of perspective because I've been here through all of it. I've seen it. I know what the attitude is like. I know what the prevailing feeling is like within, you know, the public uh, and, and the media and all of the above. And I, you know, even though I think we all are sort of in agreement now, something's got to get done here. But how do you pull the trigger on unprecedented Hall of Fame, all world caliber success and, and say, thanks, we've seen enough? I don't know how you do that. Well, my feeling is that through the season, Bill controls it. That I, I just can't envision a world where Robert Kraft fires Bill Belichick midseason. I don't. I mean, A, I don't think it's going to get much worse than it's gotten in the last couple of weeks where you get beat 72-3. to three. Um, I mean, in all likelihood, things are going to look a little bit better, marginally better in the coming weeks. Um, now, have I reached the point where I think there's a chance Bill Belichick is on the way out? Yeah. Like, I've reached the point where I think I would be surprised if he's the head coach of this football team next year. And, you know, it's strange to see because we're just such creatures of habit. I don't like change. Um, and, and that's, you know, he's yeah. so great and, and it's what we know as the Patriots, but Tom Brady moved on. Bill Belichick will too. With this, you know, you're talking about historically, this is the natural course of events in a lot of ways. You know, the, the hall of fame quarterback moves on the hall of fame coach doesn't look quite as great. And eventually he moves on or the team moves on from him, whether your name is Noel or Landry, or Shula, whatever it may be. And it happened to all of them, Andy. And again, I'm glad you brought that up, because every great coach, name one, left ugly. Right. And and that's just... Part of me wants to say unfortunate reality, but it's just life. You know, it's sort of like the normal course we all go through when we get old, and you realize, "Ah, I can't do things I used to, and you know, you just, you have limitations, and that's why I don't think it's necessarily mean or personal to say, yeah, maybe Bill's lost his fastball. Maybe the game has changed and he has not evolved with it, whatever it may be. Like, I don't think there's any shame in him stinking at 71 as a head coach or 72. And it doesn't mean he wasn't the greatest of all time when he was 62, Mm -hmm. right? Like those are two separate uh, time periods in his career with different events and circumstances. So, but it is, in, in the midst of it, it's weird to live. And the other thing is, once it ends, whether he retires or Robert fires him or he gets traded or whatever the, the various exit strategies may be, in a couple years, he just goes back to being the greatest Patriots coach of all time, the guy who won six Super Bowls, the guy who will get a statue next to Tom Brady's and a whatever the ring road will be named after him. Like, we will remember the greatness, not however it ended. That will fade very quickly, I think. Yeah, and and I would tend to agree with that. But I think there's a part of the reason why some 
and I'll include myself in this circle, okay? There's a part of the reason why some are, are feeling a little more rotten than maybe we really should, trying to keep this in perspective, because we see him so close to immortality. And I, I, I'm of the opinion, like you, I, I'll be surprised if he's here next year, and I'd be doubly surprised if he beat Shula's record now. And I would say a month ago, Ah, he's going to get the record, and a month ago, ah, he'll be here as long as he wants to be here. That's how quickly things have changed, and it's it's startling. It is, and I would say it's equally as startling with the quarterback, and obviously that's tied into Bill Belichick because I can remember after the opener, and I know they lost, and it was Moral Victory Monday and all that crap, yeah, right. but in the second quarter against the Eagles, I thought it was as well as Mac Jones had ever played in a Patriots uniform. And then a month later in Dallas, I thought it was as poorly as he's ever played in the second quarter against the Cowboys when yeah. he's throwing pick sixes and fumbling. And it's like, how did we get here? How did it change so quickly? How did, and the bottom fell out, he melted down. And in doing so that alters everything. If Mac were a franchise quarterback, like I think Robert Kraft hoped and Bill Belichick hoped, then Bill Belichick has legs and longevity and he's pursuing a record and, and all of those things. But it's hard if Mac is not the guy, and I think most people have decided Mac is not the guy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to say you're going to give your soon-to-be 72-year-old head coach and GM the chance to pick a new guy to rebuild. Is, is this a three-year plan, a five-year plan? It just the timeline doesn't marry up to, to where Bill's at in his career. And I think those that, that's the reality. Mac downfall is Belichick's downfall too yeah and and uh Evan just mentioned a little bit earlier on the show before you joined us Andy that uh you know if you're really gonna you know lay blame at someone's feet um Bill Belichick and this coaching staff have ruined Mac Jones he doesn't he doesn't really see that Mac's got a chance to recover here maybe even ever and and I'm like wow that's that's stepping out but it's hard to argue against that right now because he doesn't appear to be the same quarterback anywhere near the same quarterback that he was even two years ago as a rookie. Nope, he's broken. And um, I actually recorded that's the, the exact That's the phrase he used. He said, Mac is broken. Absolutely. And I recorded a podcast today with Paul Perillo. And I, I used to believe worst-case scenario for Mac was he could have a 12- to 15-year career as a journeyman backup, even if he doesn't make it as a starter. Now – the way things have bottomed out, the way he's looked the last two weeks, I don't think he's stable enough to be that Brian Hoyer 12-year backup. And it's miraculous that the floor on him has fallen through to the level it has. I thought he was a high-floor, low-ceiling kind of guy when he entered the league, and now the bottom has fallen out for him. And, you know, some of that has to be coaching and three offensive coordinators in three years, the middle one not even being an offensive coordinator. And, you know, we all know the story and everything that's gone into it. Um, and, and that, again, is part of they're, they're connected. You, you can't separate the two. The end of Belichick and the end of Jones go hand in hand because if Jones was better, then I think Belichick would have a longer tenure playing out here. Yeah. All right. So I, I guess, you know, it's, it's one thing to try to, you know, make some sense out of this, this craziness that's going on. But <laughs> at the same time, uh, you know, hey, uh, as we said, there are still, well, you've played five games. That means you've got 12 more left to play. 
and you know do, do you make chicken salad or chicken feathers do you do, do you you know just sit here and wallow in the muck and mud what do you do and it has to start this week against a Raider team that you know certainly I mean they look pretty good defensively on Monday night against the Packers but we know they've had their issues thus far is it time to um pick on an old friend and Josh McDaniels and see if you can figure out a way to at least get incrementally better that's the hope right I mean I thought Last week, you were facing a team in the Saints that was sort of in that similar middle-of-the-road pack of the NFL. Yep. Um, you know, they were facing their own questions in New Orleans. Is Pete Carmichael not a good play caller? Should he be fired? Like, why isn't the offense better? There's all – and they got right against you, right? You suddenly became that team where people circle you and say, oh, that's the get-right game. Let's yeah. go play the Patriots. We'll feel better about ourselves. And right. Yeah. For you, I think you are hoping that the Raiders, a mediocre team, that now they turned the ball over, as you said. Jordan Love was giving them the ball. Max has been giving everybody the ball. Maybe that's a bad combo, and Max Crosby can make any offensive line look bad, never mind Darian Lowe or whoever. So, you know, this, there, there are no cakewalks. There are no penciled-in victories anymore for where this team is. But I think you can sell yourself on, are they capable of going to Las Vegas and beating the Raiders? Absolutely. The Raiders are not a great football team right now, but the first thing starts with it's almost regardless of the opponent. Are you going to give the other team the ball? Are you <laughs> going to dig a hole? Are you going to start? Sl- this yeah. is about the Patriots as yeah. much as anybody else. Forget the opponent. It's the old Belichick. I just posted a column. Like, how many times has Belichick told us before you can win, you have to not lose? Well, yeah. they haven't gotten past that step. No, they're, they're not, not past the not losing thing. yet. No, they haven't right. figured that part out yet. And that's, no. to me, that's that's almost, Andy, that's almost at the top of the issues here when it comes to considering Bill has lost his fastball. Because, yep. in all honesty, we, we know what it was like the previous 20 years here. He was a stickler for detail. And, you know, if, if you fumble the ball, your butt was benched. We, we, we've yep. even seen that earlier this year. And then now they can't afford, you know, they, they keep shooting themselves in the foot, and they don't have anybody else to put in the game. So he's got no right. choice but to play some of those guys who don't belong in the game. And it yeah. seems like they've backtracked on the previous um, thought process of, uh, hey, we're not going to beat ourselves here. You do wrong, you come out, you sit, you're in my doghouse until you figure it out. Yeah, I think, and I think some of that, um, I think they've been a desperate football team, quite frankly, over the last year plus, because they lack talent. They're not an overly talented team, so they, out of desperation, have had to invest and stick with certain guys. Like, to me, Trent Brown is the poster child. I would have cut him this summer whenever he wasn't on the field, because I think he is, he's always upset about something at best. Sometimes is he talented when he's locked in? Of course he is. He's one of the best linemen in football, probably when he wants to be. The problem is he rarely wants to be. Yeah. And yeah, but they needed him because he's their best lineman, and they Correct. don't have right tackles. Never mind left tackles. And they gave him a little pay bump. And you, you, you know, when you roll around with dogs, you get fleas, kind of thing. Well, they get a lot of fleas now throughout <laughs> oh. this roster. And you're right; they can't afford to stick to their mantras and morals and foundational tenants because well if you got a little bit of talent i got to get you on the field we don't really have a lot of guys with talent right now and, yeah and the, that's just the way it's played out and it has not played out well for them. and you can't figure out the talent part until 
you come back around again to the next offseason when you got a chance to figure it out. And I know that you know the Patriots have more cap space than anybody else next year, and 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 the the ceiling is going to rise on the salary cap. And so the Patriots are in position at the very least to make gains in that regard, much like they did a couple of years ago. But who right now is confident that they can make the right decisions based on what they've done the last couple of years in making decisions? Yeah, can they make the right ones? Who's making it? Because that goes in hand in hand with our Belichick, you know, question. If he's gone, is it Matt Groh and, and Gerard Mayo? Is it clean house and you bring in some hotshot GM you like and he hires a coach? I mean, those are the big picture questions we're on. But I know just from a, a here and now perspective, reading my social media, taking calls on our post game show on WEEI and right. all that. Not a lot of fans have a lot of faith of, yeah, if you give Bill a top five pick and $100 million, he'll turn this around. You know, you get a lot of pot shot jokes. Oh, he'll trade down and get three guards in the third round. And blah, blah, like some of that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, it's warranted because the personnel got bad under his leadership. Like there's been mistakes in free agency. There's been mistakes in the draft. Now, where Matt Groh fits into that, how much this collaborative we've been sold in recent years includes Matt Groh and how much praise and or blame does he deserve? I, I don't know, but Bill Belichick is, is the guy who, you know, sits atop the depth chart in terms of the, the football operation in Foxborough. And the way they've drafted and spent money, maybe it's improved in some areas, but there's still a lot of swings and misses. And you're right. I don't know that you have a lot of faith that they can properly spend a hundred million dollars in cap space in a top five pick. Yeah, that that's that's really that's kind of at the root of the problem right now. I mean, yep. you know, the the, the current malaise on the field is one thing but when you realize that you know it, it's systemic because of what led into this through some of the the you know the, the the poor choices that were made and poor decisions that were made in creating this roster to begin with it's just it's just it's mind-boggling I mean it, it's it's almost overwhelming to to really even consider and so now you're left with all right how do you clean up the mess and you know and you probably heard you know Mr. Kraft and Jonathan Kraft even say this before that you know Bill is going to be here as long as Bill wants to be here they've said that privately they've said that publicly they've said that everywhere uh whenever the subject has come up they just haven't said anything lately because I don't blame them uh, why would they and and now privately they've got to be thinking woo this is a business matter. Right. This is a business decision. We got a business to run here. This is the second, uh, uh, you know, most valuable NFL franchise. This is one of the top five, actually, I think now top three valuable franchises on the planet, on yep. the planet, you know, and, and so, uh, and, and we're counting, you know, European soccer as well. So, you know, here's the thing. When you have that kind of an asset, aren't you going to protect it? Aren't you going to yeah. see that it doesn't lose money? Aren't you going to see that it doesn't lose stature? Aren't you going to see that it continues to grow rather than regress and lose money and whatever stock fund you're, you're sinking it into? Of course you are. If you're a businessman like the Crafts, whose own worth, I mean, well, let's remember, you know, the, the bottom line number is when, when they bought this team and they bought the property and they bought, you know, old, you know, uh, Sullivan Stadium and all that kind of Foxborough Stadium when it was here. Okay, they paid uh, roughly 130 million. Okay, for it back in 1992-ish. Okay, it's now worth over seven billion on the latest Forbes evaluation. So these guys know what to do to build a business. They did it with their paper company, and they've done it with all the other things that they do. They've certainly done it in pro football. 
and and that alone is why you know Mr. Kraft's you know not being in the Hall of Fame is 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 a is a puzzler to me, but that's another story, another argument for another day. Um, they're going to protect their assets based on the history of them being business owners and fans. I would I would roll that in there. Like I know some people like to sort of take you know make fun of Mr. Kraft when he talks about sitting on the metal benches at Foxborough Stadium, but. When you blend together a guy who I truly believe is a passionate fan of the Patriots with a guy who I truly believe is a, I don't know if cutthroat is the right word, but a very smart, um, aggressive businessman. And he sees his team that is both his dream asset and his business fading. That's going to motivate him to make tough decisions or to do aggressive things. And, you know, he, he has to sit in Jerry Jones Stadium, who's kind of his frenemy competition yep. in the NFL, yep. watch his team get whooped. Then he comes home, faces a lesser team, watches his team get whooped, watches fans leaving early. And I would argue, I always do the jersey test, John. If mm-hmm. you're going to buy a jersey of a New England Patriot player right now, who you buying? <laughs> I can really think of one. Christian Gonzalez, right? Okay, that's fair. Other, other than that, I mean... If you like Judon, you have him, but he's getting a little older and he probably won't be here long. Mac Jones, probably gone. Like, and and I to me that's sort of the symbol of a hot current team. Like, I I, I look at Bears games for so long. You know what you'd see? Mike Singletary and and Walter Payton oh, in yeah. the crowd. Oh yeah, they were living off history because yeah. they never really kept developing stars and mm-hmm. success. And that's where the Patriots are. I think they have a little bit of a marketing flash support problem right now because you know i did a uh, a career day at a middle school mm-hmm. and talking to probably 30 kids eighth, eighth graders i think i said who watched the patriots game in dallas two hands raised wow two hands in a middle school classroom and i'm wow. and, and these are kids that are interested in sports journalism that's why they signed up for my little chat wow and they didn't watch the game and and i to me that's alarming because that's your next couple generations of fans and people that are spending money on your product, your game, your merchandise. So uh, it's an interesting time period, not only on the field, but from a, where is the business going? Where is the support going? And, you know, you can only market a really big television screen and a really big lighthouse for so long. You got to have, you got to have some Gronks and Brady's and Edelman's and and star players out there. Mm -hmm. And that's as important as anything. Get some, you know, everybody says, you know, uh, Caleb Williams, you need a quarterback. You do on the field. I think you also need a star to, to drive some attendance, to drive some support for the team, to get people excited again. Yeah, you do. 100%. 100%. By the way, I, I think the tower and the, and the big uh, scoreboard are cool. But, you know. Awesome. But awesome. they really are. I mean, it's a tremendous amenity for anybody that comes yeah. out to the stadium. But are, are people going to spend? You know, I was making the remark to uh, to Miss Robin on the way out of the parking lot on Sunday. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, these people, their discretionary income is to come out here and do what they do when others might take a European vacation or they might, you know, go to Lake Winnipesaukee for the summer or they, you know, going to you know spend, you know, traveling across country, whatever they can do. These people spend their discretionary income on football and, and, and the experience of coming to Gillette, you know, eight to ten times a year and all of the trimmings that go with it and when the attractiveness of that start to dissipate, they're going to start to think like most smart people will think, 
where is my money better spent? Yep. And and uh, I'm just I'm like, wow. Does this franchise really want to go? I mean, the football fortunes we all know before you can really build back, and and it's the it's the it's the nature of professional sports that you when you get to be at a certain level with you've got the salary cap era, you know, in in place now. It's the nature of pro sports. Once you get up on top, you cannot sustain it for very long. You are hamstrung by the rules and regulations to which everybody has to live by because most of the leagues, with one notable exception, uh, you know, largely are, exist uh, to make things as even as possible for everyone so we don't have to worry so much about market size and you know major markets and things like that. Okay, so if that's the case, then everybody has to expect to fall. And, you know, before too long, because you just can't afford to pay these salaries, you know, for very long, and you're on the books for all of it, and it's so you can't buy your way into a championship. Well, here's the thing. The Patriots are remarkable to me in the way that they maintained a sense of competitiveness over a 20-plus year period. That may be unmatched in NFL history, and that's with all due respect to the current Kansas City Chiefs uh, or even the the coming San Francisco 49ers because they looked pretty good to me too the other night. Uh, But, you know, the Patriots, the fact what they've done is for that long, they never sunk to rock bottom. We've, we we don't we don't even we don't know what rock bottom looks like, and I'm thinking that this might be it, because the last two or three years, Andy, you know, they, they've just sort of like they just kind of pushed it forward and pushed it forward and pushed it forward without really sinking. I think that we finally found rock bottom, and the question is now, who is qualified best at this stage of the game to rebuild? Right, and and I do think the longevity actually. People say Patriots fans are spoiled because of the winning, and that's true. Absolutely. You were spoiled with Belichick and Brady and nine Super Bowls, but you were also spoiled that you never had any down years in between. You didn't have the occasional, oh, something happened, and all of a sudden you you know, you know only win six games. You never bought them down. And people told them this isn't sustainable, and yet for 20 years they sustained it. And I thought, I think that made people – well, you've been telling me for 20 years it's not sustainable, so clearly you were wrong. It yeah. is sustainable. Sure. And now it's like, oh, this is what you were talking about that should have happened yeah. 8, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Right. And I laughed at you every time because they kept winning. Well, now it has caught up to them. And now you are looking like you're headed towards some sort of whatever the bottoming out is going to be, wherever that – and, again, it may be the best thing. They may need it. You know, everybody talks about it in the NBA if you're in that – um, middle where you're not at the top of the lottery, but you're not in the playoffs, you can just be in a washing machine. You get tumbled over year after year of mediocre, dra- mediocre draft picks, mediocre talent. You can't get your star. And I think that's where the Patriots have been spinning their wheels up a little bit the last couple of years. And I think it's fair to say, well, if you get a top five pick, could that be the springboard toward turning it around? Yes. Yes, I think that's why most people usually have to sink to the bottom because then they're the ones that pick at the top. They have the first crack yep. at you know the younger guys that you can find, and you got to make sure that when you go after the younger guy, and this is also you know good for free agency as well. You got to make sure that you hit you know you got to bat a thousand or at least bat you know seven fifty. I would think get you know two or three out of four. Because that's the only way you can pull yourself out of the morass down at the bottom. And the Patriots, when they've been able to pick, you know, middling, have failed. Yep. They've missed. And, and that's why I go back to 
Richard Seymour. You know, everybody says Tom Brady was the greatest draft pick the Patriots ever made. I say no. I say you got a little lucky. He's the greatest player. He was the most important figure. But the greatest draft pick for me was Richard Seymour. Mm-hmm. You're coming off 5-11. and 11. Mm-hmm. You have the sixth pick in the draft. You have to hit that. And he hit it out of the park. Yep. He drafted a Hall of Fame foundational defensive lineman. Correct. That, you can't miss on that. And right. if this keeps trending towards where it's trending, whoever the person making the pick is has to hit on it. You can't blow the fourth, fifth, sixth pick in the draft, nope. especially for a team like this who hasn't had a lot of those. Like right. you, that needs to be the foundation of the next era of Patriot. Whether it's a quarterback or not, it needs to be the foundation of the next era of Patriot football. And, you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. Maybe they got a five-game winning streak coming, and maybe we're going to look back and say, wow, they're 6-4, and four, and they're right back in this. Um, hey, Andy. But Andy. weird to be talking about it. Andy, hey, maybe pigs will fly, too. <laughs> Hey, I'm being optimistic. You know me. Always the optimist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The world's going to come to an end. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate the chat, buddy. Thank you. It's really good to sit here and just, you know, talk philosophically as well as a little football with you. So uh, it's greatly appreciated. Look forward to seeing your stuff again soon. Thanks, man. Anytime. Anytime. You, Give me a call. You Thanks. got it. Will do. It's Andy Hart. Of course, uh, Andy cut his teeth right here on Patriots.com. Uh, Patriots Unfiltered. Patriots Football Weekly before that. Uh, and now doing his thing for WEEI and WEEI.com. All right, 855-PATS-500. Uh, I realize that, you know, we've sort of dominated the conversation today, and, and I apologize for that. Uh, I've got to get to a couple of emails, and then we're going to also uh, bring Russell in here. But, you know, frankly, I, I think that, um, you know, there's, you know I, I, I don't sense that too many people feel differently. If you do, I'd love to hear from you. I mean, what should the Patriots do with Bill? And I realize I'm asking a, 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 a kind of a loaded question here. And we've got, what, about 30 minutes left of the show today. So I don't want to drive, you know, Marine nuts here over the last uh, half hour of the show uh, when we, you know, go around the league with Russell. But at the same time, I'm just curious what you would do. I mean, you really got to give this some thought. I, I think it's too easy to say he's out, he's got to go. The game has passed him by. It's too easy to say that. You're not really attacking the root problem because if you if you say he's no good, he's got to go, who are you replacing him with? Gerard Mayo? Look, I think Gerard's an outstanding football coach. But you still have to match Gerard with someone who's likely got to make the call on who you're picking and who you're taking and who you're drafting and, and who you're coaching. Can you do that? And then you might be saying, well, no, you can't do that, so let's just clean house. I would understand that too. I get that point of view. But you still haven't answered the question. Who are you replacing him with? So you got to have that, in, first and foremost, you got to have that in mind before you ever go, he's out. You got to have a replacement in mind. And if you're like, well, let's just open it up and we'll interview people to left and right. No, you, it doesn't work that way anymore. You can't, first of all, there'll be teams that'll tell you, nope, get the hell, your, get your hands off of our guy. No, you don't have permission. And then, of course, the longer you wait, the longer you wait, the longer you wait, the more other teams pass you by even further. No, you need to have a pretty good idea who you want to go after. You need to have done your homework. You need to have, you know, some recognition of who and what is performing well in your business. You know, in the, in the financial world, in the business world, okay, I've always heard the old adage that, you know, I hear in a lot of different areas, but, you know, keep your friends close, 
but keep your enemies and competitors closer. 100%. 100%. Because if I'm trying to whip the guy that's, you know, staring at me across the, you know, the table or, you know, staring at me across the boardroom or, you know, the stock exchange or whatever, I'm trying to whip him. Hey, you got something that's working? Guess what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it, unless, of course, it's proprietary. Then it would be stealing. But no, that's not the way it is in the, in, in the real world. It's not the way it is. People borrow from each other good ideas all the time. All the time. We don't reinvent the wheel. Hey, it's working for you. I bet I can make it work for me. Done. So you got to be observant. Who's working? Who's working? Who's, who's getting it done right now? Where's a good combination? I think it's a little dangerous now, and I think we've learned the hard way here. I think it's a little dangerous now to have a coach and GM be one person. I'm not saying it can't be done. With all due respect to Coach Belichick, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying right now it's not successful. How do we fix this? And if you fix it by bringing somebody else in, is it someone that Bill will listen to? Is someone that Bill will trust? Is it someone that Bill can get along with if he's going to remain coach for a few more years? Or Because I think that's what a lot of people see right now. Okay, who are you going to find? you got to have an idea before you pull the trigger. In the meantime, there's football to play. In the meantime, you know, is there any hope for anybody on this roster right now? That's That's really part of the issue with these New England Patriots. You know, can they – Week to week, make chicken salad out of chicken bleep. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. Russell Baxter, how are you today, my friend? Well, I'm good. You know what? kind of ironic uh, about my opening here because the real flounder right now happens to be in New England. Oh, no doubt about that. <laughs> no doubt about that. It, it's, I got to admit, I, you know, I've spent the whole show today largely just kind of like uh, trying to talk myself into jumping off the Braga Bridge down the road, you know? It's just kind of like, wow. I mean, it's not that desperate, of course, but I'm just, you know, no one is used to this around here, and so nobody really knows how to act or react to what we've seen, and we've seen really bad football, especially over the last two weeks. It hasn't gotten any better. It's regressed. Why has it regressed? And a lot of it gets pointed back to the coach and to the personnel decisions and uh, any other number of, of reasons. And and I, I, there's no quick fix to this. I think you can kind of you know uh, apply a tourniquet uh, and and stop some of the bleeding. But I think there have to be long-term considerations here now to the direction of this team and of this franchise, which will need to start to be being made now in in hopes that when this is over, 12 weeks from now, the Patriots are ready to make a move and go forward. Whether Bill is included or not, that may be determined over these next 12 weeks, and it certainly could happen. I mean, I'll I'll throw anything out there. I'll be up for any possibility, but it's clear the present cannot exist any longer. Otherwise, a, a Patriots ownership group that has seen a $130 million investment grow into worth uh, a worth of $7 billion over the last 30 years uh, is 
going against every foundation of business principles, and that is protecting your investment. Well, I don't think you could say it any any better than that. I mean, you know, this this went from a team that, uh, you know, for a two decade span was became a brand. And it is a brand. Uh, you know, it has been yeah. a brand for a long time. Right. But the brand yeah. the brand is now being made fun of again. Right. Just like it did back in the heyday when, you know, Pat Patriot, I remember a couple of brands, you know, I'm going to be politically incorrect here, but I remember seeing logo of the old Pat Patriot with a noose around his neck, you know, I, you know, and or with his tongue hanging out, you know, with a hammer on his head and things like that. I've seen all kinds of things like that. And I saw some NFL memes, you know, on, uh, on X this week, you know, with people making fun of the Patriots. And you know what? I'm applauding them because it's been a long time since they've had a chance to make fun of New England being the worst team in football, but they got it now. Uh, yeah, and, and when I say a brand, I'm, I mean that in the positive sense. I mean, obviously, the Patriots have been around for a long time, um, but there was, you know, that lack of success and also some other negative connotations uh, regarding the franchise with certain things that had happened and so on. But that all turned around uh, two decades ago. Sure. Uh, but, yeah. You know, I can't get seventy-two to three out of my mind, John. All right, listen, um, sixty-nine but, of those points of those seventy-two unanswered, Russell. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean you know, you can beat sixty-nine to nothing, even though it covers a couple of games. You stink. You stink. Well, there's a, there's a lifelessness now to the team uh, the last two weeks, and um, you know it's it's. It's hard to put a finger on. I know there, it's for some people the answers are obvious, but I'm going to jump on something you talked about a few minutes ago, and that's that coach-GM thing. Yep. And I've been a big person, you know, and listen, you know, my coaching resume and my GM resume are well-known because they don't exist. <laughs> um, but I think it is extremely difficult to do both jobs. In this day and age. Now, I'm going to jump back to two men who were in the Pro Football Hall of Fame who did this awfully well. Mm-hmm. Bill Walsh, yep, obviously, mm-hmm. who in 1986 orchestrated one of the great tra- uh, drafts of NFL history without a first-round pick. And Jimmy Johnson mm. in, with the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm pointing out those two men because they were able to do both jobs successfully. I'd give more. I'd give more of the credit there, Russell, to Walsh over Johnson because Johnson always had uh, you know Jerry Jones breathing down his neck, and that's the reason why Johnson left. Yes, yes, uh, but Jimmy's. Eye, you know, I've contended that Jimmy's eye for talent might have been even better than his coaching prowess, which is saying a lot. But my point here is, when Bill Walsh did what he did, and Jimmy Johnson did what he did with the Dallas Cowboys. There was free agency in Jimmy's first year, 90, uh, in Jimmy's final year, 1993, John. But one thing neither men had to deal with was the salary cap. And that changes everything. And then Jimmy, of course, in 1996, took over the Miami Dolphins and inherited a monster salary cap that the Dolphins had rung up in 1995 because they were desperately trying to bring in veterans and trying to get Dan Marino a ring. Mm-hmm. And it, it blew up in their face and... and Don Shula wound up retiring in a salary cap era where you have to make both on the field decisions, drafting decisions and financial decisions. That's a lot for one person. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the Patriots 
have not had a great eye for drafting the last, I would say, decade or so. Yeah, they, They've hit on some people. They've been more successful getting free agents than they have necessarily drafting players. Um, so it, it's all kind of caught up with them right now. And, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of a number of franchises, storied franchises, uh, struggle uh, in this day and age of uh, like the modern football and so on. A, a, a salary cap era and a free agency era where you can turn things around in one season. The difference is having staying power and a lot of these one-year turnarounds don't last very long, which is, again, why you give credit to New England what they did. First of all, listen, this week's opponent can tell you something about falling about hard times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Raiders have been pretty much disastrous um, for more than two decades now. They haven't won a playoff game since they beat the Titans in the 2002 AFC title game. Wow. Yeah. That should tell you something. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Long time. It has been a long time. Well, here's here's something that might frighten you a little more, though. I just talked about how how much the Raiders have struggled since, you know, for twenty something years. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, let's go. Just, let's just do this century, John. Two thousand twenty. The Raiders are made one a playoff appearance and lost, and they own a twenty six and twenty nine regular season record. Okay, mm-hmm. that sound familiar? Twenty nine, twenty six, and twenty nine. Yeah, that's that's the Patriots' record, right? And the Patriots also made the playoffs once and lost as well, right? Isn't that kind of ironic? Considering we're going to see Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels against each other this week. Sure, sure. Yeah, and you can also look up and down. And I mentioned this to Jason Horowitz uh, of the, the Raiders Radio earlier in the program, Russell, that. You know, there's way there's these two teams are really intertwined. I mean, you've got like nine players, you got like uh, six or seven coaches, you got five mm-hmm. scouts, you got you know that all worked in New England, either with Josh or or, or for Bill at one point in time. Now, currently on the Vegas, you know, uh, yeah. you know, uh, you know, uh, team uh, website. So, I mean, it's kind of like wow, these two teams, these two guys, these these organizations have. A lot in common, a lot in common, which is kind of some well, of the intrigue for, you know, a one and four team against a two and three team. Well, this is here's another commonality almost. You know, the Patriots lost to the Eagles 25-20 in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't reached the 20-point mark in any game since. Right. Okay. Right. Yep. Now, by the way, the Raiders haven't reached the 20-point mark in any game. At any at all. Right. Season. Correct. Correct. So that tells me we're looking at like forty-five, forty-two on Sunday. <laughs> that would be that would be a perfect fit, you know, right here, just to see something like that happen because it just defies logic. Here, here, here's what we know on Sunday: uh, Jacoby Myers won't be throwing the ball backwards to Chandler Jones. That's also true. That's also true. You know, so I mean, wow! Return to the scene of the the absolute crime that you know kind of started these Patriots on this current spin that they have not been able to, to, to pull themselves out of. And that's really sort of the ironic thing about, you know, going back out to Vegas again this year. 
All right, yeah. so let's 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 take a look at uh, at least before we come back to to this one, uh, a couple of games that I need to mention here. You've got the winless Carolina Panthers going to the division leading AFC East division leading Miami Dolphins. But notice that Devon Achen is uh, is been put on IR today by the Dolphins, and since he's been put on IR and he's had a tremendous start in the offensive backfield for Miami. And I think Patriots fans saw that a couple of weeks ago when he was here guy is fast. He's really fast. The entire Miami team, unbelievable speed, but his IR designation means he won't be available to play against New England in a couple of weeks. That hurts them in the long term, or at least the medium term. But I don't know if that hurts them enough to make them lose at home to a winless Panther team. Does it? No, because even though they don't have him, they still have Raheem Mostert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's had a decent start himself this year. Yes. He was a guy a couple of years, weeks ago that also scored four touchdowns in the game. Yeah. You know, I was, I was actually, uh, full disclosure, just looking at what the two of them had done, um, you know, five games into the season, and it was starting to stir my mind a little about, you know, when was the last time a team had 2,000-yard rushers in the same season? Wow. When was that? Well, the last, well, it was, re- it was recently uh, with, with the Ravens, okay, with Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson. And Jackson. Okay, I was about to say, so Jackson, yeah, that had to be the year he did right. it, yeah. But it's actually happened, it's actually happened, happened seven times. Um, and I know you'll remember the first time because it was – the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins. Like Zonkin and Kick. Everything. Yeah. Right. Okay. No, no, no. Zonkin and Morris. Oh, Zonkin and Sammy Morris. Uh, no, um, um, not Sammy. Uh, Mercury Morris. Mercury, thank you. Yeah. yeah right. Yep. And it, I remember right, I think Mercury had 1,000 on the, on the nose. On the nose, yeah. That was 14-game season. You know, the perfect season of 1972, which I believe, how, how funny is this, I believe that's the last time the Dolphins led the NFL in rushing, in which they are doing currently. Right. 72. Yep. At least they won't, so you know. Question, to answer your question, I think Carolina could be in for a long day considering the way they play defense. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw what Detroit did to them last week and yep. you know, what Seattle did to them a couple of weeks ago and so on. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 have, they're certainly having their issues. Um, you know, Bryce Young, you know, set. You know, Randy Dalton first, I think, one game. Um, uh, defensively, they just don't have the people right now. Right. So, um, you know, and they gave up a lot to give, get Bryce Young. Sure. Yeah, they um, did. So we'll see what direction they've gone. And, you know, the Panthers, are, it's, it's, listen, it's an organization. It's very odd. They opposed to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's never been to the Super Bowl. Carolina's been there twice. They both came in the league in 1995. John, do you know that the Panthers have still never had back-to-back winning season? No, I wasn't aware of that. That's incredible. Yeah. See, it just goes to show you, Russell. No matter how bad you bet, uh, better how bad you have it, got it worse. yeah, somebody's got it worse somewhere. That's very true. Eagles playing at the Jets. So you got the unbeaten Eagles, you know, testing the Jets, and you know, Jets don't look like a two and three team. Zach Wilson hasn't played like the Zach Wilson we saw a few weeks ago. I don't know. Can the Jets do that at home? Well, if they manage to knock off the Eagles, they would actually make a little history okay. um, because they they've never beaten the Eagles. What? Wait, what? They've never, they've never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles in the regular season. I. 
obviously did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> you sound, you know, you begin to sound like Chris Myers. So. I, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, as strange as it sounds, and it's not like they play each other a lot. A lot. Okay. I mean, you know, they played each other 12 times in the regular season. This is actually will be the third time in five years they played each other. Yeah, but the Eagles are 12 and 0 against the Jets right now. Wow. Wow. What does so, that mean this week? I have no idea. It may not mean a damn thing. I know. Uh, the Eagles are a seven-point road favorite in, the, in that one. I also want to point at the uh, the Giants at the Bills. Uh, you know, Buffalo struggled last week. Buffalo looked mortal last week. And, and the Giants, again, they're one of those teams that are down there kind of mired in the muck with the Patriots. No matter how you bad you got it, somebody else has it as bad or worse than you two, uh, You do. And, and I'm just because this is a state thing, I don't know if it really means anything or not, but – you know, this could either be a real get healthy opportunity for the Bills, and health being the key word there, or it could be a get straight game for for the Giants. Well, you know, Miami uh, got rolled by the Bills a couple of weeks ago, and then they played the Giants last week and got awful, awful healthy. The, the, the key to Buffalo, who has been very erratic, um, you know, they're, they're three and two. Uh, when they hold on to the ball, they're pretty good shape. But Jacksonville moved the ball up and down in them last week, mm-hmm. um, you know, well over 400 yards, and that was with Trevor Lawrence throwing a couple of interceptions. You mean the you mean you mean London, London? Yeah, yeah, the London Jaguars. Yeah, the London Jaguars. That's right. This week it's the London Ravens um, and the and the London Titans. Right, but right. Here's here's ominous news for the Giants. Um, last week. In the loss to Miami, they finally scored a first half touchdown <laughs> in their in in this season in five games. Wow! The bad news was it was a 102 yard interception return. <laughs> so their offense has yet to score a touchdown in the first half in five games. Like I said, all told, all told, the Giants have been outscored in the first half, 94 to 19. Uh, again, I will repeat, no matter how bad you got it. <laughs> Holy crap. We don't have to go too far to really find somebody who else is kind of struggling with the football right now. Well, you know, well listen, it, it, it's kind of rampant around the league, okay? we Listen, there, to me, San Francisco is kind of a notch above everybody, okay? I would say Philadelphia is 1A. But, we, you know, we've got a lot of muddledness with, you know, with the three and twos and four. You know, it's, it's funny. You make a, a, a great case that the Detroit Lions are playing in, you know, just about as good football as anyone mm-hmm. but other than San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, because San Francisco is on a different wavelength, both offensively and defensively. Agreed. Agreed. Okay? Agreed. I mean, they've scored at least 30 points in every game. Okay? They've given up. Uh, their, their scoring differential this season, John, is already plus 99. Wow. After five, five weeks. Games. That means you're beating teams by 20 points a week. Yeah, exactly. I said, I mean, they have really taken no prisoners. You know, I know the Rams got within seven. I mean, but they, they pummeled the Steelers and they pummeled the Giants and they pummeled the Cardinals and they, and they really pummeled the Cowboys uh, last week in a big way. They run the ball. They throw the ball. They play good defense. Um, I mean, they're a really, really complete team. Mm-hmm. And you go back to last year, they've now won 15 regular season games. Okay? 
you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. And they've done it with a couple different quarterbacks. Um, you know, they, for the most part, have, have won those games handily. Crazy. Um, if you, if you, in fact, if you include the playoffs, um, they're they're seventeen and one in their last eighteen games. The only losses of the NFC title game to Philadelphia yeah. where he got hurt. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they're, 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 they're head and shoulders above just about everybody. But i got to admit, uh, it's going to be a real easy route for me this year. I'm pulling for the Lions because they've never done nothing. Well, the last time that the, 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 the last time the Lions won an NFL championship was 1957. Which Correct. Is so old, even I wasn't born. Correct. Me either. Um, me either. And I've already, I've already stressed how old I am in, in this program today. And I managed to come up with an old joke on myself every week on this show. It seems like, but no, I wasn't even alive when the Lions last won. So I will, I'm, I will gladly follow the Lions with great interest this year. And I think, you know, push comes to shove, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear my Detroit blue and silver. There you go. Well, listen. They haven't won a playoff game since 91. They haven't won a division title in 30 years since it was the NFC Central. Okay. Roar, Lions, roar. Let's go. The streaks go on and on and on. Yeah, don't they? Um, And it's going to I want to jump back to the Niners game this week because they played Cleveland on Sunday. Yep. Which I find to be very intriguing. Now, we're not sure who the Browns quarterback is going to be. It sounds like Watson is still uh, dealing with a rotator cuff injury and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. They might have, to have a third different new starting quarterback this year. But it's hard to ignore the fact that the Browns have given up only five offensive touchdowns in four games. That is a very fierce pass rush that they have in their own right with uh, Miles Garrett and Darius Smith and Shelby Harris and Tomlinson. Uh, you know, Jim Schwartz, Pretty, pretty good. Maybe not the greatest offense. Uh, I mean, head coach, but a quality defensive coordinator. Remember, he, he helped the Eagles win a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, right. So that right. that to me is a, a very, very intriguing matchup in a week where we have a lot of interconference games this week. All right. Well, it's not interconference, but at the same time, the Patriots uh, playing in in Vegas for a second straight year after the uh, uh, the bizarre throwback uh, from uh, uh, you know um, Jacoby Myers, uh, you know, last year cost the Patriots a potential win on the road. And uh, the only saving grace here is that Jacoby can't do that to the Patriots this year. But he can certainly throw it back to somebody on his team for a touchdown, I suppose, if they get him the ball enough. And a lot of parallels between these two teams. It seems like the Patriots actually kind of match up a little bit against a Raider defense that has had statistically some issues, but they certainly seem to overcome a few of those against Green Bay this past Monday night. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're going to get well, it, it's good to get well on the road, especially. I just don't know if the timing is right here for the Patriots anywhere they go into this year. Yeah, um, I will say this, though. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who has not started every game this year, Okay, mm-hmm. um, and you know, Aiden O'Connell had to come in when they played the Chargers because he was in concussion protocol. Uh, but when Garoppolo has played, he's been less than stellar. Okay, and uh, you know, he has had trouble hanging on to the ball. Okay, so there's a reason this team can't get out of its own. First off, they can't run. Okay, you know, you've got the NFL's rushing champion from a year ago, mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs. Um, on a team that is dead last in rushing, which is nuts. Okay, yeah. The um, the Raiders are 29th in total defense. 
I'm sorry, total offense. Yep. So they're, I mean, they are just not generating much whatsoever. And I know England's, New England's having its own offensive problems, but you know, you you, you look at what Garoppolo has done. Um, high completion percentage, I get that, um, but he has thrown seven picks in four games. Mm. Yeah. And you know, all all it takes is for you know, listen, the Patriots have seen their share of turnovers and turned for touchdowns the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, they could certainly switch here. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, I mean, this is a this is a coin flip game as far as I'm concerned, because of the way both teams are playing, and neither of it is very good. Yeah, Vegas is a three-point home favorite, which is basically what you get when you have home field advantage is three points. Oh, I see. I misunderstood that. I thought three was the (laughs) over-under. Might might be. I mean, would it surprise anybody if it was a 3 nothing final? No. I don't think it would. No. No, you, no, I, I don't think so at all. The over/under, by the way, on the Patriots Raiders, as I presently have it in front of me, is forty-one and a half. I'm hitting that puppy like a big dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 so it's just so you know. It's funny. You're not surprised about the Raiders, yeah, because they have really been dismal for a long. I mean, again. They haven't won a playoff game since 2002. They've only made the playoffs a couple times since 2003. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, um, that organization has gone through a lot of quarterbacks, an awful lot of head coaches, um, and, you know, they've really hit the skids. I mean, this is one of the proud franchises in the league since the merger. And, you know, they're they slowly just tumbling right down the – uh, the win-loss standings in terms of most wins since the merger. Right. Uh, but the Patriots is shocking. And I understand them being mediocre the last couple of years, but to see some of the eggs that have been laid by them the last two weeks, um, is, it, again, I can't get 72 to 3 out of my mind I because um, it, it's just not something. Nope. I mean, it's strange to see a team lose, any team lose by that. I know. It's, uh, but it's... the Patriots, I mean, you know, you know, I see Bill Belichick. You're around the organization, obviously, far more than I am because I'm not at all. And I see him in press conference, and for the lack of a better word, I he just looks defeated. I think that's you know? a, I think that's a pretty good characterization. Yeah, he looks yeah. look defeated. And as weird as this may sound, you know, we talk about change and you know what could be coming and all that stuff. I have. This is just my personal opinion based on seeing his reaction the last couple of weeks. He he seems like too proud of a man to be fired. I agree. I agree. I don't think I don't think an in season firing would ever happen. I'm I'm I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely right there with everybody that said that. I I do think though that you could see a mutual parting of the ways yeah. happen after the year is over, or you could see if 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 that doesn't happen, you could see him. Uh, bringing in someone to help with, you know, uh, shall we say, general manager duties. I could see that definitely happen. But yeah, something has to happen because if it doesn't, uh, you know, it's kind of like when the Patriots, you know, they win the coin flip every game and they defer. 
Okay, right. and and clearly that doesn't work anymore because you're not a talented enough team to be able to do the double score at the end of the first half. It's been a pet peeve of mine for years, and most of my listeners here they understand all of that. But he keeps doing it, and I'm wondering, you know, this team has had such a hard time playing from behind. Why wouldn't you try to take the ball one time to see if you can get the lead and play with the lead? But no, we're not going to do that because we're stuck in our ways of doing things. And when you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting it to be different and it doesn't change, that's insanity. It's insanity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's going to be uh, – uh, this will be an interesting afternoon because if they are not competitive against this team, um, there's going to be – there's the, the the microscope is going to grow, and um, you know it's already hot. Yeah, and it is. It's, and I will say this: I think Bill Belichick is also in a in a in a tough spot here in this sense because if he by chance made the decision to leave, and I'm not saying he would, there's going to be a faction of people who say, "Well, you made the mess, um, and now you're going to quit on it." Yeah, right. So, the, and that so that yeah, that's a good point. There are. We know this. Um, because of their success for the last 20 years, um, there are people ready to pounce. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 100%. Um, yeah. You know, and not appreciate because I, I, that's, that's what I've read all week. Boy, more than ever, now we know it was all Tom Brady. Yeah. And, um, Which okay. couldn't be further from the truth, but I mean, that's. Correct. Yeah. Because Tom Brady isn't Tom Brady without Bill Belichick's help. Absolutely. 110%. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, we have people who watch football, even people in our medium who continue to insist this is all about one person, regardless of who the team is. It's never about one person. It never has been and never will be about one person, ever. Right. I mean, that's like saying you do a radio show and you produce it as well. No. No, I leave that to the Marine. He's the expert. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean you specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, I love you, brother. Talk to you soon. I will. Yes, you will. All right. Yes, you will. And hopefully uh, more pleasant conversation next Wednesday. Yes, sir. That's what we'll plan on. Thank you. The one and only Russell S. Baxter at Bax Football Guru on X. Uh, Patriots fans, if you want to see Toyota's best offers, including those not seen on TV, go to buyatoyota.com. It's Toyota's official website for deals from the official vehicle of the New England Patriots, Toyota. Let's go places. I'm going to end the program with the final words here from two emails that I've gotten earlier in the show because I didn't really give you guys a chance to have a ton of, of feedback today, so I want to take the time here. Chad and the ATL. The way you fix this, John, isn't something that can happen in the middle of a season. It seems like Bill has been so hesitant to press the reset button fully after Brady left, and I think it's obviously because he wants to beat that Shula record. I've said as much. I would agree with you. I really believe this team could be good given time. The only issue is Bill doesn't have time. Feels like he's continuing to try and correct this team with short-term fixes, not long-term fixes. If he's wanting to beat that record, then maybe he should go elsewhere to a team that already has all of the pieces. Stop preventing the Patriots team from properly rebuilding and developing. The hybrid rebuild experiment failed. Some excellent points there, Chad. Greg from Shrewsbury. John, what do you think is the possibility of releasing Bill Belichick after this year and pursuing Jim Harbaugh as the new coach? No. Is that succinct enough for you? Mm-mm. Harbaugh? Nah. I, 
Is it impossible? No, God, everybody's on, on deck. I, I would have to admit, look, I, I, I'd do what it takes right now. If I had to say uh, this organization had a coach opening, all right, with all due respect to Gerard, with all due respect to Bill O'Brien, who I think, you know, obviously has been a head coach and could be a head coach again in this league, I don't know if this is the right place based on what I think this team needs. This team needs new, different thinking. I'd go right after Mike Shanahan. Go right to the damn top. San Francisco 49ers right now are the best team in pro football. I'd also take a look at my arch rival down in South Florida, Mike McDaniel. I'd get that young punk up here. I'd have to think hard and long about that one. But I'd certainly say he's worth a talk to based on what he's got going thus far. Just two names I'd throw out there. And that's just me, my own personal opinion. I don't know that that's going to happen. But if you're really going to move on from a Hall of Famer, if you're really going to move on from, you know, if you're trying to move on from the greatest quarterback of all time and you're going to move on from the greatest coach of all time, don't you want to go to the top? Don't you want to get the guys who are hot now and see if they can sustain that, for lack of a better phrase, hotness? (laughs) Right? Okay. Score big with Bob's unbeatable savings on power reclining furniture, perfect for game day viewing with features like hidden drop-down tables for snacks and bevs and convenient USB ports. You'll never have to get up and miss a play, but only when you shop at Bob's, the official furniture store of the New England Patriots. Marine, thank you for your help today. Our thanks to Jason Horowitz of the Vegas Raiders, Andy Hart from WEEI, Evan Lazar, and you, Russell Baxter, as well. Same patch time, same patch channel next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Patriots.com Radio in the playbook. Uh, Maybe we have some different results to talk about next week. Won't that be nice for a change? But if not, hey, we'll break it down. We'll cover it down. And we'll roll it forward. See you then. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.